If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in. I really appreciate it. I hope that as you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, and wherever you're listening to this, that you are safe and healthy, and everyone in your family, your orbit, your world uh, are safe and healthy as well. By the time you guys are are listening to this, it'll be about two months since I dropped my last episode, and, and so I wanted to kind of explain that that gap in case you missed the, uh, the last recording I did when I talked about it. Uh, I went on hiatus for about six weeks. Um, I'm a, I'm a single dad, uh, full time to three autistic kids. My oldest is immunocompromised, which has made COVID-19 a nightmare. Um, I manage the blog entirely on my own. I, I write the content for the most part, there's sponsored content and stuff, but, um, I've, I've myself have written like 12,600 posts over the last decade. I manage a dedicated server on my own, which is challenging at times. Uh, and then, and then the podcast, I do everything on my own. I schedule the recordings. I, um, you know, write up the, the outlines. I, I, uh, produce and edit and mix and upload and market all that stuff on my own. And it gets to be a lot, you know, there, there's deadlines that you still have to meet. And, and, um, I got, I, I've become very, weird about audio quality. And so I, I tried to, I have a very high standard set for myself in this area. And so, uh, it just got to be, got to be really frustrating for me because there was just too much going on and I, and I could not produce what I was comfortable releasing. And, and so I decided just to take a break. So I shut it down and, uh, I started recording again, I don't know, about two weeks ago. And 
um, just starting to release them now. But, you know, I, I feel better about it after taking a break. I, I'm in a better place and I'm excited to be back. I've got a, a string of uh, really amazing interviews uh, for you guys coming up. And I just wanted to thank you guys for sticking with me and uh, your continued support. It means a lot. So I just want to say thanks. Now that we got all of the housekeeping stuff uh, out of the way, uh, my guest today is Amy Kelly. Amy is the mother to Danny, Annie, and Ryan. Her daughter Annie is diagnosed with moderate to severe autism, verbal apraxia, intellectual and developmental disabilities, and general anxiety disorder. Amy is the National Director of Family Engagement for Devereaux Advanced Behavioral Health. They are one of the nation's oldest and largest nonprofit providers of behavioral health care. She also serves as a family representative on several special needs boards in the community, locally and nationally. In addition to all of this, she participates with other patients and families in efforts supported by the American Board of Pediatrics Foundation to address children with special needs and the importance of quality care. Amy uh, came on the show and we had a a conversation about how COVID-19 has impacted her personally, her family, um, what she's seen through Devereaux, like what the impact on the overall community has been. We talk about the change from the more typical school environment to at-home learning and some of the difficulties and challenges that um, kind of go along with that. I mean, if you're an autism parent, we really don't have to explain that to you. You already know. But kids on the spectrum thrive on routine. And when you go from one learning environment to another, you've not only disrupted the routine they had at school, you also are disrupting their routine they have at home and trying to forge something new, which does not go over well in most cases. And so we, we have a conversation about all that stuff. And um, she has some advice on how to help kids um, sort of uh, make that transition and how parents can sort of help them navigate that. So it's a great conversation. I encourage you guys to stick around. Uh, we will be right back after this quick commercial break. And we're back. And today, uh, my guest is Amy Kelly. Uh, Amy, thank you for coming on to the show and, and talking to us today. Uh, as I mentioned in, in the uh, the intro, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about uh, remote learning and the challenges that parents are facing uh, in light of sort of everything that's happened with COVID-19 and schools being closed and, and stuff like that. So uh, thank you for taking the time to to help us with that. <laughs> I know a lot of people are struggling with that. Um, could you take a minute and just kind of give us a little bit about your background, uh, maybe personal and professional, if you're okay with that? Sure. sure. Thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. Um, I am Amy Kelly. I'm National Director of Family Engagement at Devereaux Advanced Behavioral Health. We are a large nonprofit behavioral health care provider, and we're in 13 states, and we serve individuals from birth through end of life. And we have all types of services, including uh, residential services for both children and adults, acute hospital care. We have day schools and day programs. We have supported employment programs. We have consulting programs to help schools or families. So we really have, um, and we have a lot of community and outpatient services as well, and foster care. So we have a really diverse array of services to help all of our, you know, individuals across the U.S. with whatever their behavioral health needs are. So I'm also the mother of three teenagers, um, Danny, who's 20, and Annie, who's 18, and Ryan, who is 16. Annie is my daughter who has severe autism and intellectual disabilities, She has anxiety disorder and verbal apraxia, so she primarily communicates with an iPad. 
And yes, remote learning has been quite a challenge, particularly for my daughter, Annie, and individuals with autism or disabilities that may not respond as well to sort of that virtual um, concept of, of learning. You know, I know for my own daughter, she needs a lot of one-to-one instruction and hands-on. And when we are in a pandemic and, you know, all of those one-to-one services have basically stopped, um, it becomes a real challenge as a parent to be able to to help her learn the way that she needs to learn. And I know you're living that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're living downtown there right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you know, it's 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 one of the things that, you know, in, in, a, in a grand scheme of things, when you're thinking about a pandemic, you're worried about health and wellness and whatever. Um, the education part of it is something that I, I guess a lot of people really never thought about, especially in regards to how this impacts kids with special needs, specifically autism, because of the, the need for routine and structure and uh, the one-on-one, like you said, it is affecting all of our kids, you know, like we know so many kids haven't graduated or um, have lost their social circles and after school activities and many can't afford lunches. So we see it happening across, you know, our country for all kids, but you're absolutely right. The, the special needs population are probably the ones that are being hit the hardest in many ways because of the difference in learning and, and not all providers or uh you know, districts can provide online support if not everyone is is accessing, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of a computer. So there's a lot of different variables that go into it. And this is much longer than any of us ever had imagined, I think, too. So that's the other tough part about it. What kind of challenges did you find uh, in, in helping your daughter try and continue her education remotely? Yeah, a lot of challenges, actually. So I work full time. I am fortunate enough that for the last 14 years, I've had the same babysitter coming to help her so that I can work. I've been a single mom for many, many years and um, had to have that support. So thank goodness I still have her coming. But in most situations, people don't have someone else to help them. And I know without my sitter, I could not be working and juggling that. Uh, that impossible with the 24 seven job and mm-hmm. a 24 seven child that requires eyes on all the time. Um, and so that's, that's one huge obstacle. But aside from that, just the fact of uh, Annie is used to having services um, in her school, like I said, with, you know, basically a one-to-one teacher student ratio, and she requires that kind of support. Um, she also has after-school services, behavioral health rehabilitative services. We call them wraparound services in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But she needs that to learn about safety. And, um, you know, there's so many aspects missing from her life now, and everything just kind of went on hold. And she doesn't have the capability of just logging on a computer by herself and being able to navigate and use a mouse and understand how to connect. So it's, it's really a, an issue. Let a, like just the logistics of it, let alone from the actual education portion. Every kid on the spectrum is is different because everybody falls into kind of unique places. My kids, uh, my two youngest are the are the ones who are still in school. Um, Elliot is fourteen. He's uh, going into high school next year. He'll be a freshman. And Emmett is eleven. He's going into seventh. And you know they they both did really really well in school. They're 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 um, 
they, they do very well in school, but there's there's an emotional uh, challenge that they that they deal with, and anxiety is huge, huge anxiety. Uh, Same planning. When yeah. when things got transitioned to home, the school doesn't have a setup for an online uh, infrastructure, and then a lot of the kids in the school. Uh, I guess I don't have access to either the internet or uh, a computer because they were giving kids instructions on how to do how, how to how to sign on to Google Classrooms through uh, the browser on their Xbox or right. um, to try and come up with creative ways of of overcoming those obstacles. But it was it was just the idea of of um, the routine change. You know, they they weren't in that structured. And then in, in order to sort of address that, you have to change the routine at home, which then becomes even more disruptive. Absolutely. Routine is the number one thing I think that keeps, that provides cons- consistency and sort of reassurance to mm-hmm. most of our our kids that have, you know, disabilities or special needs or autism, whatever it is. That routine is key. It's really key with all kids, I think, providing that routine, but particularly with our kids. So you're absolutely right. This turned everyone's world upside down in that way. Did you find, did you find that Annie struggled? Um, was, was it, was it the change in school or was it the change at home? Do you know what I mean? Like, I I guess I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it's like a double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. It's both. I mean, um, you know, we spend, I think our lives as advocacy parents for our kids, uh, fighting for all the services we can get right and then finally getting them into school and integrated and used to being with classmates and that social structure and community outings in my daughter's case so that she could go in and out of a grocery store without having a tantrum or without having a safety issue of, mm-hmm. you know wandering or elopement but now and and so then also having services in our home and you know it was funny because Annie doesn't really understand the pandemic or what COVID is like she just she just says and she does this little hocus pocus thing with her arms like this and says after sick everybody come back that's her way of so I because we had to talk about you know there's too much sickness going around and mm-hmm. once that's done I because I'm trying to balance not putting the you know the fear of God into her with not understanding what a virus is because it's you know invisible and but then also understanding that things are going to change and so it did change on two fronts right she did lose that that school schedule and her that basically her social life and then it all transitioned into home which and i'm also working from home which is different and Mm -hmm. so um everything's different we're all crammed together people aren't coming like they used to she's not taking the school bus and that's a huge huge upset and i i don't know about you but if you saw a sleep um, issues with Ugh. your kids and um, anxiety, increased anxiety majorly for my own daughter. It's it's tough. Increase in behaviors is pretty expected, I think, during this time, you know, if, um, and then regression. And that's the thing I worry about most for our individuals is the regression that they will have from this gap in, in time with services and school. And don't get me wrong. I love Annie's school. They are wonderful. They're doing everything they can within a remote platform. I mean, they are the reason why I work for Deborah because they gave me hope in my daughter's mm-hmm. life at a time after her diagnosis, at a time when I did not know what she would be able to accomplish. And she's done amazing things there. But the remote platform, virtual platform, just doesn't work for some individuals as well. And so we have been focusing more on trying to build life skills and things that will, you know, lead her toward independence down the road. 
And it's a lot to take on as a mother and um, a caregiver while you're trying to juggle everything. And I know families are struggling with this right now all over our nation. Yeah, we, you know, I tried for probably the first month and a half really tried to get their, their schoolwork done. Cause what we had to do is we had to go pick up, they called them blizzard bags and I would have to drive to the school every Monday and pick them up. Then they would have to finish all the work and I would drop them off on Monday, the following Monday and pick them up again. The kids, when you're supposed to be on quarantine because you have someone with a compromised immune system that anytime you leave the house and you expose yourself to someone else, you, you're sort of breaking quarantine, which defeats the whole purpose of being there in the first place. And then it created anxiety for the kids because they're worried about their brother. And uh, and so it, it got to the point where, where school was just, it was just so much. I just said, forget it. We're just like, we're done. Like, we're just not going to do it. You know, my kids have uh, basically done straight A's up until this point. And um, I, I just said, you know, like right now, I, I had to prioritize their emotional uh, health and well-being over over sort of arbitrary work that was coming home. It was basically busy work because nobody's learning anything, you right. know, because nobody, this wasn't planned out. It wasn't prepared for. And what, what I have been doing is what you talked about, focusing on life skills and working on uh, trying to develop some more discipline as far as, you know, like if they see something that needs done, don't, you know, don't wait to be asked to do it. Take the initiative and, and do it. I've got them uh, working on dishes and, um, you know, it, it's just been myself and the kids. And, and so we have to, everybody has sort of a role in the house to, to try and keep us afloat and keep us moving forward during this whole thing. You know, I, I try to use their, it's, I guess, obsessive, they have obsessive interest in certain things. And, uh, -huh. uh, my middle child, Elliot has become very, very good at keeping inventory of all the stuff that we have in, uh, our storage that we have to sort of survive all of this. And, and so whether he thinks he is or not, you're using math and you're using yeah. spatial skills to, to, you know, put things in places and, and whatever. And, and you have to do some forward thinking to, to sort of predict where we're going to be and, and how, you know, how much we need to get or not get or whatever. Yeah. And you know, uh, go ahead. I, I, sorry to interrupt. I think it's great though, because you and I are talking about sort of the, the extremes of what the autism spectrum can look like, right? Sort of more, higher, like more affected versus higher functioning and um, less, probably more socially affected. And my daughter is definitely impaired by communication and behaviors. And um, she's very impaired in a lot of ways. And has you know an intellectual disability and um and so her her school doesn't operate with grades like you're saying um but you know i think you brought out a key point in that you were prioritizing their their mental and emotional health when it got to be too much and i think that's what our families have to do regardless of what kind of school or programming your your child is in you have to think about how many zoom meetings can we possibly do in a day that's realistic and that we're you know that my child getting something out of and I can do it without risking my own mental health, right? All of that is, is combined. Um, and I think it's great to, to see both sides with, you know, your guys and, and my Annie. And then, um, there's going to be a lot in the middle, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. For I, sure. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, so I, I sort of have 
both extremes in my house and sort of for the most part because because gavin i I have to do a lot of sort of micromanaging with him which i I hate Mm -hmm. to do um but he needs he needs that that constant sort of reminder he needs the prompts he needs uh, a lot of things but when you do that then he's capable of doing a lot of these things he just he just needs help to be you know, we need, I, I need to do more visual cues and, and reminder, you know, things on a wall of step-by-step step how to yeah, do this or this. Yeah. Visual stuff. schedules and stuff like we that. We have all those in our house because that's exactly what Annie needs too. Yep. Yeah. Um, you had, you had said something that, that I can relate to when, when the school stuff was getting so bad, I don't know who was more stressed out, whether it was me or it was the kids because I was having panic attacks because I, I assumed like my, the kids school, um, is it's a, it's a private charter school for kids with autism, ADHD and learning disabilities and stuff like that. So, um, I, I go into this assuming that I'm the only parent who's struggling with their kids right now and that I'm screwing up because I can't get them to focus on their work or that if I prioritize their health and, or, or their emotional health and well-being, then I'm dropping the ball in their education. And, and I, yeah. I put all this pressure on myself. And Welcome I, to parenthood. That's yeah. what we all uh, and I mean, it was, it, it was crazy. It, it became, it literally became a matter of survival to just put all that stuff to the side. We can still do learning, but we're going to do it in a way that yeah. is engaging for them, that, that they're actually going to, that, that's not just busy work. Cause they were basically just getting busy work and, and, and they were bored with it. It didn't challenge them. And, and it just became, uh, it became a lot, you know, and, and they, they came off of, um, my, my wife and I separated in August. So it'll be almost a year. And, and yeah, so they were, sorry. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so, so it's just been the boys and I, and, and they were struggling emotionally with that. And then yeah. the pandemic hit and, and we had to cut visits off because we couldn't, we agreed we couldn't take them back and forth. It just wasn't safe. There were people at risk in her house, people at risk here. Right. And so, you know, they they would look at this like, who cares about these math problems? We can't see our mom. We don't know what's going to happen. There's people dying everywhere. Like, why? Like, who cares? Um, yeah, overwhelming. Yeah. yeah, and and one of the things that I did was I started treating this like a zombie apocalypse, because, like, my kids they they can understand that right without any problems. <laughs> The pandemic right. is sort of an abstract, really scary kind of thing for them. But a yeah. zombie apocalypse is something's like, oh, okay, so we need to make sure we have supplies. We need to make sure that we stay away from, I mean, we have to assume everybody's a zombie because if you have to assume everybody has right. COVID right. and, right. and it took the fear out of, out of it for them and, uh, and, and sort of allowed them to function in a situation, strangely enough, they're more familiar with, right? Cause you know, they have zombie apocalypses they, they set up in Minecraft. I love that you turned their their experience though into something relatable for the pandemic for them. Just like I had to do with my daughter by mm-hmm. not talking as a virus or whatever. I just told her people are sick and until everybody gets better they can't, you know, come back. And so relating it to your kid in the way that they understand is the number one thing that we can do so that it, it instills a little bit of of safety and calmness in such an unprecedented time, right? And they do take the zombie apocalypse very seriously, <laughs> and and it, it sounds ridiculous, but but it but it was just something that like, 
okay, we can do this. We'll just look at right. it like this. And, uh, and right. we went from there. What, I guess, what do you, whether personally or through Devereaux, like how can parents help their kids to, to adapt to this yeah. sort of new, whatever we want to call it, normal or temporary, whatever, you know? Yeah, I actually think part of this will become our new normal. A lot of remote and virtual ways of doing things will become our new normal, or at least an option for a new normal, because, you know, in some cases, we, we are seeing um, improvement with appointments and not missing appointments, mm -hmm. and because it's through telehealth, but in other ways for kids uh, that need hands-on learning and that need that one-to-one -one instruction or need those socialization skills where people are together, that's where some of that, the remote and virtual things will not work. And so, you know, uh, we see families uh, who are facing everything that you and I are talking about and then some. And uh, I mean, as parents, we're all, and parents and, and guardians and caregivers, we're all going through this in the same way. And so I, if nothing else, we should all just feel sort of together and that we all feel like we're not doing a good mm -hmm. enough job. I think that's just part of being a parent and part of this strange time. And, and knowing that you're just doing your best has got to be enough because between balancing that and our own mental health and sanity, and that's really key is taking care of yourself as a caregiver, which I hear all the time and I don't always do great, I will admit, but it's so important. It is truly that oxygen mask first before you can care for your kids. So if you're not sleeping or you're having anxiety and panic mm -hmm. attacks yourself, I'm encouraging all of our families to reach out to their own providers and therapists to get some help because this is a real thing. I mean, it's this is not something that you can be tough for your kids for. I think we all have to deal with our emotions and, and mental health around it. But um, and then I think, you know, like we were starting to talk about, there's life skills that you can build on and. So for Annie, when she was in school, she's working on things like going into a grocery store and being able to pay and not pay with the exact change. She has to sort of round up. So if we see it's under 20, she can give a 20 and mm -hmm. we don't really care about the change just as long as she's paying enough. Right. She's just starting to learn that stuff. And so that's no longer a possibility right now. So we've been working on other things like I think there's some general areas you mentioned about. Um, organizing your, I guess, your pantry and your your goods. And I think that's one really great way. It works on, um, you can use it as a sorting acti activity, right? Like have people, your your kids put things in the right places in the pantry or um, in groupings, all the soups here and sauces here and cereals here. And then they can make a list, writing that list practices mm -hmm. their fine motor skills. It practices, you know, a, a skill of trying to care for yourself and prepare for the future. Um, a lot of people are cleaning out their houses. So have your child help you shred some papers or file all the papers that are building out and put them, you know, that's, that's a great skill to have and could lead to future employment filing mm -hmm. and helping in an office. So I think those are, those are, that's one step. I think there's some other things like um, working on hygiene routines. So these are things that you know, now maybe we take that time to teach our kids how to shave or how to wash their face appropriately, follow the steps of the shower that they might need to do. Because that's a big area that a lot of our guys really don't, you know, master well. Yes. And well, <laughs> I know, I yep. know. <laughs> and while we have the time here, 
you know, let's encourage them to do that and remind them to use deodorants. And because these are big skills. I mean, they sound like little things like you and I were talking about. These Mm -hmm. little things are actually big things, but they will help them fit in socially in the future. Right. And I think things like meal preparation. So my daughter cannot use a stove. It's dangerous. Um, But she can, you know, she can make a sandwich by herself. She loves a a wrap with turkey and hummus and a piece of cheese. And she can assemble all of that and do that and put everything away. Yeah, it's great. She can use a microwave with guidance. Um, It sounds like your guys might be able to to build on that Mm -hmm. and and do some more like that. But again, leading toward independence. Um, And for families that may not, you know, have their kids ready to be doing these things, start putting on food networks. So they start seeing recipes they like, or, you know what I mean? Like, getting more familiar with foods. I think there's a lot of things within the home that we can start using as education. That's really interesting. What, putting on the food network, my, my, well, this is probably a really bad example, but my 14 year old Elliot is obsessed with nailed it. Have you ever seen nailed it on Netflix? It's, it's the people that shouldn't be cooking. They, oh. <laughs> they try and they try and mimic what these professional yeah. bakers do. And then they give whatever they do. Right. Um, but but that does that does prompt him to want to make pancakes or want to go. learn to do this or do that and yep. and to me it's it's sort of out of the box thinking it's kind of a, a unique approach to helping them continue to learn even yep. if they can't be inside the school building and uh, and we just keep their brains working and distracted and and and, and things like that and that helps to for me, it seems to have helped kind of quell some of the anxiety and in some of the stress, because like where we live, uh, there are most of the people around us are not taking this seriously. Like they, they never lock down. They don't wear masks. They don't social distance. I mean, our neighbors just had this huge, uh, graduation party the other day. And, and and so they look out the windows and they see all these people in, in their mind, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's no in the middle. It's either on or off, yes or no, good or bad. And uh, we're working on some of that nuance, but, you know, maybe someday. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, I I think, you know, too, like the whole mask wearing thing. So we are in a, I'm outside of Philadelphia. I'm wearing a place where almost everyone's wearing masks. And that has its own set of issues to seeing, you know, for people who aren't used to seeing anyone outside of the healthcare field wearing a mask, right? Like a nurse or a doctor, it takes some getting used to. So there are social stories out there that you can um, share with your kids about people wearing masks and about how they can wear masks safely and alternatives to, um, you know, having it around their ears if they have sensory issues. Mm-hmm. We have some ideas around that with a baseball hat. And I, I wrote an article on that. I can, I'm happy to share with yeah, you. Yeah. I'll, with I'll link that in the, in the show notes so that people can right. see that. Cause we went through, yeah. I had to go, well, it was impossible to find masks for the longest time. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, my gift was not sewing or anything like that. So, so I, I shopped around forever and I had to try like three or four different ones until I found ones that they were comfortable with. And then when we would just go, we would go for drives, you know, yep. cause you can be in a car and I would have them wear the mask while they're in a car. And, and it was That's just, up. yeah, it was just for practice. You know, I, I want them to be able to do it while we're in a car ride. I want them to be able to do it so that when they have to, they can. Right. And, exactly. and, uh, and, but then they get, you know, they sort of generalize, like you have to wear a mask or, 
or, you know, they see people who aren't wearing masks and they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And then it just, it, it's hard to find that balance because they, they take things to, it's like one extreme or the other. And, and there's, yeah. there's no, and it's hard to explain that. Yeah. 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 Right. Some other ideas that um, you had mentioned, like that you were working on with your sons, like putting dishes away. And I'm doing the same thing with mm -hmm. Annie. She now can very proficiently load and unload a dishwasher, which nice. is great. That was a skill she didn't have. She can vacuum. I mean, she still needs some guidance on, you know, plugging it in and sort of manipulating it, but she can vacuum a room. And she's even learning how to fold her own clothes from the laundry and sort them. I mean, again, that's another skill set. And depending on where your child falls on, you know, the spectrum of disabilities, like that, that's a really big deal to be able to separate out your clothes into colors mm -hmm. and pair socks together. And then you work on the folding. And again, these are fine motor skills and processing skills that they could be using. I think things like, um, you know, thinking about outside of the house too, when you're looking at yard work, if you have a kid with high energy, help them mow the lawn or bag the leaves or bag, sweep up the grass. And um, and even better, we were talking about food and preparation. One of the things I started was um, growing basil and my daughter loves tomato basil salad. And so to be able to watch and learn about how the basil grows and then we can, it's literally from, from farm to table, right? We can mm -hmm. use the basil and make her own salad and there's another way of learning and it requires a little bit of work you know for the for caregivers to be part of that but i think it's a real rewarding experience if you can come up with creative ways like that that still are teaching our kids things that you know aren't available maybe while school is not in session yeah we we uh my kids and i we cleaned out the whole back half of our yard that was sort of overgrown and um Impressed. taught Good them how you. to yeah taught them how to use some of the tools safely and Great. Um, my youngest is the only one who has any interest in cutting the grass. So I foster that cause you know, oh, you're lucky. You. I have no one interested in uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't remember what the other thing you said was, but, um, growing things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're growing fresh mint because it, it's really easy to do. And, yes. uh, literally it you know, grows like a weed. <laughs> it, yeah. And we can put it in yeah. all kinds of stuff. It's good for you. Perfect. And, yeah. and it's just, it's just another thing that, that they're, they're learning without realizing that they're learning, I guess they're gaining experience, yeah. uh, hands-on experience and things. And, and, you know, that, that seems to be how my kids tend to learn better is by Same doing. Same with Annie. Yep. Yeah. How, what, what do you think is going to happen going forward? Uh, like September or August, whenever school is yeah. supposed to restart. So my daughter receives extended school year services. I don't know if your guys do too. We mm -mm. call the ESY, but um, a year-round so, school kind of. Yeah, yeah. year-round school to continue so that she doesn't regress and lose skills. And right now, our ESY is all at home. <laughs> so um, I, you know, we will be continuing the the things that we've been working on, and our school will continue supporting us as they can with the online classrooms that that they can offer. Um, you know, come the fall. I don't really know what's going to happen with they're expecting another wave of things to to hit us with the pandemic. And everyone's pretty cautious about sending everybody back and then having to re-quarantine. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm just trying to keep an open mind about playing it by ear. I think one thing that families can do is sort of try and prepare for both ways, right? Not assume that school will start 
but try and think about if school isn't in session, how can you support your family in the future, whether it is you, you hire a, a babysitter that can assist or a neighborhood, you know, teenager who can sit and kind of keep the kids on target while you're working, or if it's looking for more resources and, and supports through your federal and local funding, your state funding, now is the time to be getting those things set up. A lot of places are providing extra waivers and funds to support families that don't have resources or that need that extra help because mm -hmm. of COVID. So I think it's time to start thinking about four months from now, if we're in the same position, how am I going to make this easier on myself as a parent or caregiver, as well as my kids? And I mean, again, it may become the new normal for a little while. So thinking about that without fearing it, I think the way that it approached us because it was so sudden, I mean, it put a lot of fear and anxiety into everybody. And I think now if we can sort of step back and say, okay, this is what it is now. Let's try and plan for you know, different options. I think that's going to be a, an important thing for all families to do right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was talking to my kids principal, um, and I have a really good relationship with the kids school. I, I love the staff and the teachers. I mean, they, we've been there for, since my oldest was in kindergarten. Yeah. Same and, with Annie. She's been at hers since she was five. They're amazing when you have that kind of relationship. Yeah. But, but even they don't know what's going to happen. You know, they're having to plan for, you know, scenario A, B, and C. That's right. And and for me, for me as a parent with with a with a compromised with a kid with a compromised immune system, like I I can't even for myself sure. fathom how we could send the kids to school and not be exposing them uh right. to, to anything. But um you know, I mean everybody's situation is is different, everybody's location is different because it's sort of different based on location and, and, uh, you know, based on the, the infrastructure of the school and like Google classroom and, and, and whatever. Yep. Um, and I think Rob, other things to think about are if they do go to school, will they be required to social distance and wear masks and how will you do that depending on, um, the age of the kids or, or the needs of the kids, right? Like mm -hmm. how will that all work? So, I mean, it is pretty overwhelming to think about. And I think, that's why there are teams of people out there in our organizations who are trying to come up with lots of alternatives for this. But yeah, it's, it's tough. Too bad we don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> like I told you before we started, we opted for online school in the fall, uh, mm -hmm. whether it ends up being sort of the norm for us going forward or uh, sort of a stopgap until it's yeah. reasonably safe for the kids to go back. Um they're not super excited about it because they want to see their friends, but, but then there's, there's a plethora of opportunities that they didn't have, uh, at the school they were at, you know, my, my, uh, Elliot is going to take like digital photography cause he's big into taking pictures and, um, you know, 2d animation right. or, or 2d drawing. So he's, he's going to sort of build on his art skills and, uh, languages and, yeah. you know, American history is something we're making them take because we don't want them to think like anything that's going on right now is the norm. We want them to know right. the history of what this country is supposed to be and right. and uh, and just try and sort of ride this out because I don't I mean, like, I don't know what else to do. There isn't really anybody saying, hey, you need to do this or do this or do this or do this. They, they just sort of lump everybody into a same group 
And, right. and I think that that's very detrimental to the families that have kids with learning disabilities or uh, autism or Down syndrome or, or anything that requires the um, sort of a unique educational uh, environment. And, and that's just yeah. not, nobody, nobody had a contingency for, for that. Nope, no one did. And that's why we're figuring it out as we go. I think it's great that you are planning ahead and, and opting for that cyber school option. For me, for Annie, that would not be ideal. Mm -hmm. We will only continue her online schooling if that is the requirement, because I know she does better in a classroom. And so, you know, I we don't have a choice with that, but we're just trying to um, go with it and, you know, prepare sort of mentally and, um, and then also just get things set up within the home. Like if you know, you know, now we've had all this time and computers and, and uh, video cams have been on back order and that kind of thing. But if you know that could be a possibility, I would say start ordering the things that you mm -hmm. need now and start preparing now, right? So that you have options if you can. Yeah, that's that's one thing that we have been doing is, is I'm trying to think a month out, two months out, three months out, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of get a handle on the things that we're going to need going forward uh, that maybe haven't been available now because everybody's trying to buy everything at the same time. And there's just not enough of not enough of that. stuff. Do you do you have any advice um, for parents who are who are just struggling with this? I mean, one, they should just know all parents are struggling with this. We all as caregivers are in the same position. And um, it, it's hard, I think, on parents in, in two ways. Um, one is feeling like you had said, like feeling like you're never doing enough or you're not doing a good enough job. And many of us parents are having to become the speech therapist and occupational mm -hmm. therapist and the the one-to-one -one aid and the teacher of math and spelling and history and all in one thing. And none of us were trained in this, right? So I think cutting yourself a break as a parent is, is number one, do the best you can without compromising your own mental and emotional health. And without it really, um, because if you're not feeling well, the family's not going to do well with it. And then I do think using some of the suggestions we talked about to be creative for times when, the online learning may not be helpful doing the things we discussed before about cooking. Mm -hmm. You know, letter writing is another great thing because we can't see families right now. So that practices, you can practice typing that way and or handwriting skills, but also the process of mail and receiving mail. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think creative ways of using like games to teach things and, um, like you said, you were talking about your son was learning math and didn't even know it. I think things like, you know, Yahtzee is a great way to also teach math or cornhole in the backyard mm -hmm. to toss that up to add things up. It's working on gross motor skills. Even watching Jeopardy or um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, mm -hmm. you can turn those into learning activities and family exercises. I know we're all <laughs> afraid inside and, and dealing with our own anxieties, yeah. but portraying that outward confidence is so important. And, and, I, and I just wanted to add to what you were saying. Basically, we're talking self-care for, yeah. for the parents. And, you know, sometimes it feels counterintuitive to to take care of ourselves first. Um, but like you were saying, if, if, if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't be there for your kids or you can't give them the best version of you. Um, 
my my therapist told me a couple of years ago uh, that because uh, I was struggling with self care because I was just pouring everything I had into my kids. Yep. You sometimes you have to be selfish before you can be selfless, and you, you have to put back before you have something to give, and you don't want to emotionally and physically bankrupt yourself. You know, because then, then where are you going to be? And so, so you have to find a way to, to balance all this stuff out and take care of yourself and get sleep if it's possible. I know it's not easy when you no. have special needs kids and, and a lot of people don't get that. They think like, well, you can just but go to sleep and they go to sleep. That, 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 that's <laughs> not how it works. Like if my kids are moving around, I, oh, yeah. I, I can't sleep because I, I, I have no idea what they're going to try and do, <laughs> you know? I yeah. mean, uh, so we got to take care of ourselves. I think that's really really good advice. Um, yeah, I agree. And Rob, I love that you said my, my therapist, because I also have a therapist. I think, you know, we need to stop hiding the fact that we as caregivers need help and we need to start, um, really talking about the supports that we can get as families mm -hmm. to be able to better care for our own kids. And, you know, there's not anything to be embarrassed about needing a therapist or needing medication or whatever it is that you need to help cope particularly right now in a pandemic, you know, and again, we are never going to reduce the stigma of that unless we talk about right. it. And I think it's so important. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of parents like myself, like I struggle with depression I have for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And the situation that we're all living in is like the perfect storm yeah, totally. for the worst case scenario you can imagine. And, and, and that just fuels that depression. And, and I, I went from, and and panic yeah, and everything. Yeah. yeah. And then, like you said, you don't want kids with autism can often live like sort of symbiotic relationship, like with, with their parents. I totally agree with that. I love how you said that. That's Annie with me. They, they feel what you feel without him. You know, you may feel like you're hiding it from them or you're not saying something, but they know like they can just feel it. They experience it through you. Oh, right. And, and if you don't take care of yourself, and you get overwhelmed or, or depression takes over or whatever else you have going on becomes more than what you can manage. Yep. They're going to, they're going to feel that. And, and when you do take care of yourself and you, you do all those things that you need to do to sort of bolster your own, um, physical health and emotional health, you're, you're setting a good example for your kids. You know so I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of a win-win thing. It's just hard to do. It, it just it's seems so like you're taking away from your kids to do something for yourself and it feels, but you got to get over it yeah. and you got to do it. But most of our kids learn through modeling, right? Mm -hmm. And showing those things. So if you can demonstrate that they're learning that it's okay to take care of themselves and it's okay that mom or dad does this for themselves because they need it just like they themselves need different kinds of supports, you know? Yep. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I will. Well, I really appreciate the conversation. I, I really enjoyed this because oh, it's, it's, me too, Rob. it's nice to, connect with people who, uh, who, who get it, you know what I mean? Like live it. Yeah, you live, live it. it. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of well-intentioned people out there, but like it, it's, it's different when like I can, like we're on a zoom call right now and, and you guys are just listening to audio, but like I can see your reaction as I'm saying something because I, I can, I can tell that you can just yeah. relate to what I'm saying. Totally. And that's just, <laughs> that, that's such a, that's such a cool experience to have as a parent, uh, to be able to connect with people who you don't have to really ex explain yourself to because they, they can sort of finish your sentence sometimes. Yeah, no judgment, right? Yeah, like no I judgment. Families, right. I encourage families to connect with other families. For me, that has been some of the most powerful resources and learnings that I've ever had through my 
you know, 16 and a half year journey so far through autism with Annie. And I mean, parents are invaluable. Other families are invaluable because that's really how we do connect. And also we learn we're not alone. It's not as Mm -hmm. isolating. And right now that's even more important because we are physically isolated and, and you want to uh, connect. Now's the time to sort of uh, build your online community or, or, or call, um, family members, or, I mean, just, just stay connected to people so that you don't get sort of swallowed up by, um, everything that's, that's going on. So I, I really, that's good yeah, advice. Absolutely. Rob, if I can give your audience our, um, website, I would love to, because absolutely. we have a ton of resources that I've helped contribute to. And many of our subject matter experts with Endeavoro have mm-hmm. written some great things to help families. It's www.devereux.org. Okay. And there's a COVID page. And if you click there, there's a ton of resources for families to access, including social stories and visual supports and ways to work from home and juggle the balance, uh, all sorts of different things, virtual activities that they can do with their kids to be more interactive and so there's a lot there that I think families could really benefit. Absolutely. And I was going to ask you that, and I'm going to have all of that information in the show notes um, because it's important that we connect families with resources that can help them to right now just sort of survive everything and and maybe right. someday thrive on the other end of this. And right. uh, so I, I really do appreciate that. I really appreciate your time and you know, if there's anything that I can ever do to help uh, what you guys are doing or connect in another means, whatever, just let me know. And uh, well, we will pick you up on that for sure. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Stay safe and, Thank uh, you, and good luck. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye. Hang in there. Bye. Before we close things out today, I just wanted to say uh, thank you to Amy for taking the time to come on the show and, and having um, a conversation about being a mom, uh, some of the struggles that uh, her and her family have faced as a result of COVID-19 and school closures and that transition from, um, you know, the, the typical school day, school environment to this at-home remote learning. Um, that's a struggle for a lot of people. And, and it's nice to have a conversation about it because I think that uh, that largely kind of goes under the radar. You know, there's a lot of COVID things going around right now and, and there's a lot of closures or, uh, you know, lockdowns or whatever. And, and this you know, the impact on the special needs community is significant. And, and I think it just sort of, it does, it, it sort of flies under the radar. So um, I really appreciated the conversation and her insights and her experiences. Um, I will have all of Amy's information in the show notes below. So you'll be able to find social media and all that, all that fun stuff. As always, uh, you guys can find me at the autismdad.com. Uh, my social links are at the top of the page. You can hit me up on Twitter. I, I don't really pay attention to the other stuff. Uh, but my messages are open, so you can shoot me a message if you need something, and uh, you can send me an email from the blog. That's cool, too. I try to respond to everybody. Um, it might take a little bit of time, but I do my best to get back to everybody who takes the time to reach out to me. So um, you can listen to this podcast on any one of your favorite podcasting apps. It doesn't matter which one. Just pick one. But please hit that subscribe button, and please rate this podcast. If you if you like the content that I'm putting together, please uh, rate that. It helps with rankings and uh, things like that. I put a lot of time and effort into this. And uh, I really appreciate your feedback. So thank you very, very much. Please stay safe. Remember that if you go out into public, please wear a mask that helps protect everyone else and everyone else should wear a mask so that they protect you. Wash your hands, social distance, 
and uh, we will get through this. So please stay smart, stay safe, and I will talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U dot com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAT at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.